0: Morning, up. Thank you, Ken. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Like, like there's something happening tonight. You ever get that feeling? <laughs> Why don't I have an Eagles jersey? Because I'm everybody's pastor. Thank you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I thought there was going to be some music, though, for us. I, I don't know. High Eagles fly on the road to victory. Are Eagles fly. Score a touchdown. One, two, three. Hit on the- I don't know what to say. I, <laughs> I admire you more now. <laughs> Respect you even more for sitting through that so calmly. Oh my goodness. Hey, you know what? They, they, they've never won a Super Bowl. And uh, so somebody came up to me and said, hey, we, we got, we're, basically we're hijacking the service. <laughs> I said, okay, go ahead. I'm not the pastor anyway. It's cool. <laughs> pastor Tim's not here. Let's play. But Janet's here, right? Yeah, that's my, my favorite mother-in-law is here. Um, this morning, I want to talk to you about the power of a personal vision. And I want to talk to you about when God gives you a vision for your life. Um, this week, I had a very interesting conversation. A friend of mine texted me. And just had a really interesting question for me. Chris, do you have that where I can put that up? He said, when, how did you know you were called to devote your life to preaching the Word of God? When did you know what you were supposed to do with your life? So I said, well, at 16, I answered him like a preacher, but I gave him a six-point outline, just so you know. (laughs) So if you're looking at that like, wow, that's really uh, an outline there, Brad. At 16, I preached my first sermon. Some of you may not know that. Um, it went well. Uh, for me, I was done in like, we, I had like a 10-minute time slot, and I think I finished in three minutes. Uh, I enjoyed it. Other believers in the church affirmed the Spirit's work in my preaching. Uh, my youth pastor asked me if I'd ever considered becoming a pastor, and he encouraged me to after, after that. I took a course in college at 19 called Inductive Bible Study and studied some Greek, and I really enjoyed it. I was just answering my friend, uh, Chris. Opportunities began opening up for me to speak in different venues, and so I got better at it. Um, Unbeknownst to me, when my dad was 26 years old, God called him to preach. He was going to go to seminary to learn, but decided not to. He he told me later that um, he was going out to Indiana to seminary, and he thought, I've got a wife, I've got a son, this is scary. I don't know if I can do this, and I've got to take care of my family. So he decided not to. He told me God said to him, if you're not going to preach, then I'm going to take one of your sons. I never knew that. He told me only after I made a decision when I was 21 years old that I would go full-time into vocational ministry. He hadn't wanted uh, to sway my decision, so he waited to tell me until after I'd made up my own mind. I'll never forget riding in the car with dad when he told me that. I I had never known that. Uh, My spiritual gifts are geared toward pastor-shepherd work. Um, Every preacher has their burning bush moment like Moses where God calls them to lead, in my opinion. You ever wondered what your calling is? I was just talking to my 14-year-old son this week, and he just expressed, I think, what I have heard from 40-year-olds from 50-year-olds, from 60-year-olds, he said, "Dad, I just don't know what my calling is." Well first of all, I was excited because I thought, "Wow, he's 14, and he's starting to feel like maybe he has a calling in this world. That's pretty cool. That's a sense of destiny. Like I'm here for a purpose, more than just to take up space and waste air. I want to do something for God. And he expressed something that I think a lot of Christians feel. We're just not sure what we want to be when we grow up. And we sort of spend a lot of our life trying to figure that out. Well, I want to look at a man today who was absolutely transformed when God gave him a vision for his life. Now, I believe that God has a plan for each of our lives. I believe that God has a vision for our lives. When God shows you What he wants your future to be like It will radically change everything about you About your past, your present and your future I've heard people Who didn't have a father Who didn't have a family And they had no future And then all of a sudden God comes to them Gives them a word And everything changes instantly, everything, all of a sudden they have a heavenly father, they have a family, and they have a future so bright, guess what? I just got to wear shades. That's how they feel all of a sudden. That's from the Lord. Well, there was a man in the Bible. He was a prophet. His name was Habakkuk. Now, men, I know this morning when you woke up and you ate that hot breakfast your wife made you, you know, when she put the Pop-Tarts in the (laughs) in <laughs> the toaster, you know? I know that you said to yourself, I want to hear a message on Habakkuk today. Well, I'm glad that you do. Glad you came. We're going to look at Habakkuk. Now, some people uh, pronounce it Habakkuk. One spiritual giant said Tabaka, Habakkuk. You can remember it that way. Or Habakkuk. But I want to share with you three insights about God's vision for your life. This, was, this, man, this, this man, Habakkuk, was a prophet of God. He heard from God. He got messages from God. But as what happens in a lot of people's lives, it got very routine for him. He grew cold. In his mind, his mind was expanding with knowledge and his heart was shriveling with coldness to the Lord. And so he reached out to God and the Bible says in Habakkuk chapter one verse one the burden some translations say the oracle or the the vision which the prophet Habakkuk saw first thing about God's vision for your life real quickly if you're wondering God what do you want me to do with my life it's it's a vision that God gives you in your mind it's something you wish for, and I want to show you this from a God doesn't always take you and put you like a lot of people think. If if I give God my life, He's going to send me somewhere I don't want to go, and do something I don't want to do with people I don't like, <laughs> and that's not how God works all the time. God's not ready just to set you uh, at a and and put you in a bad position. God works through our desires. Philippians says, For it is God who works in you, what? Both to will, that is, to want to do what God wants you to do. We don't even have that capacity on our own because of our fallen nature. So it is God who works in you both to will and to do, to want and then to actually do it. The will of God. So Habakkuk comes to God in verse 2. He says, How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen? Or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Time out. You ever think those things before? I, I do. I look around the world and I think, God, there's so much violence. Don't you ever get, just get to the point where we're just tired of the violence. We live in a violent society, very violent. People are hurting one another, killing one another, all over the world. And it was still happening in Habakkuk's day, and Habakkuk looks at God and says, why are you letting this happen? You ever wondered that? I mean, whenever someone would kill someone or execute someone, it's not like God came out of heaven and went, okay, you're done. Habakkuk would watch this bad man, this dictator, go scot-free and he would look at God and say, why aren't you doing anything about this? Where's your justice, God? And he goes on, he says, why do you tolerate wrongdoing? That was the core issue. For Habakkuk, he he said, God, why are you tolerating wrongdoing? Like, you're just letting this happen. Ever heard people say, well, if God existed, this wouldn't happen or that wouldn't happen? I just read that and saw that this week from a, a meme I was looking at, and somebody said, well, you know, if God existed, this wouldn't have happened at all. Sometimes people feel that way. They look at all the pain and evil, and they say, well, you know, if God was real, surely he would stop all of this. And then he goes on, he says, oppression and violence are right in front of me. Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. Uh, We are right now very similar situation as Habakkuk. We have nation fighting against nation. We have race against race. We have uh, racial conflict and tension right now in in our culture like never before. I mean, it's heightened. And Habakkuk is looking at all this, and he says, this is why the law is ineffective. And justice never emerges. He says, where's your justice, God? Nobody gets justice. The system doesn't work, he says. And the people running the system are corrupt. Why are you allowing this? For the wicked restrict the righteous, therefore justice comes out perverted. And God, in the original construction interrupts Habakkuk mid-sentence. He's like, God, why are you... put? God says, look at the nations. All of a sudden, he got God's attention. Mid-sentence, God interrupts Habakkuk. He says, look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded for something is taking place in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. And this is what God says to Habakkuk. He says, look... I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter, impetuous nation. God was raising up a group of people to come and judge all of the injustice that Habakkuk had just told God he was upset about. But then there's a problem. Habakkuk says, yes, but the Chaldeans are worse than all these people. How can you do that, God? How can you you take a worse nation and use them to punish Your people who are are more righteous than they are. This just keeps going. And Habakkuk is just not happy. As a matter of fact, if you study the book of Habakkuk, and, and by the way, his name has a very interesting meaning. His name, the name of Habakkuk, means to lean on, to abide in. It's like a vine. You ever seen a vine that clings to a building, grows up around the building, clings to it? He's a prophet of God, and his name means I need to cling to God. I need to lean on God. And and yet, when you read and study on Habakkuk, do you know that he's given one of the worst nicknames in the Old Testament? He's called the Doubting Thomas of the Old Testament. Now, if you're a prophet of God, that's not the name you want to get. The Doubting Thomas of the Old Testament Because everything he had gone through Grows cold in him He's just not excited anymore He's lost much of his faith That God is just God is good And that God will really Bring justice on the earth But then So chapter 1 of Habakkuk If you want to outline it It's faith sighing You know what a sigh is? Chapter 1 is face sign. Chapter 3. Now, something happens in between chapter 1 and chapter 3 because in chapter 3, theologians say there is a passage in chapter 3 that Habakkuk where he where he talks about praise and he expresses praise to God. All of a sudden, in chapter 1, this guy who couldn't believe in chapter 3 is over the top in worshiping. Something has changed. Now, I'm not the brightest tool in the drawer, but I think it has to do with chapter 2. Something changed in between chapter 1 and chapter 3, and it's chapter 2. God comes to him and speaks to him. And I want you to notice Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 1. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me. Now, Habakkuk was far from God in his heart. He was cold. He wasn't close to the Lord. Things were not going well for this prophet. And he gets angry and he prays to God, but he has this going for him. He knows enough to say, I'm going to set myself on the rampart. The rampart is the top of the fortified city of Jerusalem. And so on top of the... The wall. there's a rampart that you can walk on and sit on and and move around on. That's what he's talking about. He says, I'm going to get up on top of this wall and I'm going to sit here and I'm just going to wait for God to speak to me. I was talking to my son Wesley last night. He came in to my room while I was studying. And (laughs) it's kind of funny because sometimes I'll study and I'll kneel down by my bed think I can get back up and I'll I'm, I'm kneel down by my bed and so he comes in and he just kneels down beside me you know and I'm typing writing and he goes um you know we start talking about the Bible and he says dad you know um I pray you know but sometimes I feel like I'm talking to a brick wall like, well I said yeah I know I said sometimes it takes time Wes it takes a little time to to go through and, and break through that wall or to feel that God is answering you Some of you are desperate and hungry for a personal word from God to you today. I mean, there's nothing that could change your circumstances or your situation or improve it like receiving a personal word from God today. That's what Habakkuk received. See how this goes. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all day. Thank you. A couple of thoughts about hearing from God. One, go to the wall. Go to the wall. That means go to the rampart. Get isolated. Get alone with God. That's what I told Wes. I said, buddy, I said, you got to get alone with God. And what I mean is, you got to get away from everybody who's telling you what they think you ought to do, everybody giving you their opinion reading all of the media, and absorbing everything except God's voice, you got to get alone. you got to ask God for a word. A vision must be requested. You've got to ask God, God, what do you want to do with me? What do you want to do with my life? You see, for a lot of us, it's not hard to believe that God could use Billy Graham. It's not hard to believe that God could use Mother Teresa. It's not hard to believe... But it was hard for us to believe that God could use me, that God could use you. Go to the wall. While you're on the rampart, God will impart his vision to you. He will impart while you're on the rampart. When you get alone with God, God will speak to you. It's one of the things Wes and I were talking about. I said, as you grow and walk in the Lord, you're going to learn what God's voice sounds like. It's kind of funny. We just got a new puppy, and and, uh, we're trying to teach it. Its name. His name's Bruno. Of course, Bruno doesn't know that yet. He's just a puppy. But I explained to Wes, I said, we're kind of like that with the Lord. The Lord calls us by name, but sometimes we don't know our name. We We haven't learned it yet. It's like Samuel in the Old Testament. God called out to Samuel. He thought it was Eli. It takes some time to recognize the voice of God in your life. What does he sound like in your life? That's a major issue in the Christian life. If if we don't know what God's voice sounds like in our life, we're lost. And I don't mean lost like we're not going to heaven. I mean just floundering around going, how do I live this Christian life? we got to know God's voice. you got to go to the wall, go to the Word. That's what we're doing right now. I'm a Bible guy. I'm a Bible guy. And what I mean by that is, you know, if God is going to say something to me about my life, it's going to be through the Scriptures. Like, if, if God's going to give me this life-altering, future, prophetic thing about my life, some word, it's going to be through the Scriptures. It's not going to be like reading Reader's Digest, and, you know, I'm, it's not going to be watching um, The Notebook, a movie, you know. It's not, it's not going to be a song, it's gonna be the Bible, it's gonna be the scriptures. If if God's gonna give me a word, this is what I'm gonna build it on. You, you understand what I'm saying? And so that's that's what happens in a life. You've got to build your future on his word. So you gotta to go to the word, and you gotta to go to the wise. Ask people who you respect and trust and know, know the Lord, and ask them, what do you think about this? So God's vision is something that he gives you in your mind. Secondly, God's vision is given for an appointed time. In other words, it's something you wait for. Well, that's a hard word, isn't it? Who likes to wait? When's the last time you put on your resume, I can wait like a champ? Bosses don't like that. They want you to be active and proactive. They don't want you to let any grass grow under your feet. But God says sometimes you have to sit right down in the grass and be still and know that I am God. Sometimes you have to slow down. Habakkuk chapter 2, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. Cole, will you get me some water, honey? But at the end, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Sometimes God may give you a vision in your life that He wants to happen at a later date. Does that make sense? Are you awake? Are you deep in thought? Are you tra- You're tracking, aren't you? You're tracking with me. I, uh... <laughs> Some are like, the bears, the bears, Thought you No. Hang in with me. See, God has three answers to our prayers. Yes, no, and not yet. Not yet. Sometimes he says yes, just not yet. Sometimes he says God's delays are not denials. Let me rewind. God's delays are not denials. Cecil, so thank you, buddy. I just get choked up with the eagles. Thank you, buddy. The eagles fight song came on and it's choked up a little bit. There's a divine timing in God's vision for your life. Thirdly, God's vision is given when you step across the line. Habakkuk 2.4 says, But the just shall live by faith. Um, how many of you have ever heard that phrase before? That phrase first appears in the Bible in the book of Habakkuk, the Old Testament book of Habakkuk that we're in today. God has used that phrase to transform millions of lives. I want to explain how. The Apostle Paul took that phrase from Habakkuk and wrote it in the book of Romans. I believe it's chapter 1, verse 17. The just shall live by faith. The Apostle Paul's life was transformed by this verse this issue of faith. In the Middle Ages, there was a monk who was crawling up a set of steps on his knees trying to earn his way to heaven. Well, as he was reading the scriptures, he got to the top and he read this verse, but the just shall live by faith. It, it changed the way he saw God in salvation. Instead of feeling like he had to earn his, God's favor and work for God's approval, all of a sudden he realized it's not about works, it's about faith. And so instead of crawling back down the stairs, he got up and he walked back down. That was Martin Luther. Martin Luther changed Christianity as we know it in so many ways. He helped get it out to the world. He started the Protestant Reformation, of which we are a part. Now you say, why do you say it's something you work for? Because faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. You can't work your way to heaven You've got to trust the Lord. But at the same time, you have to show and prove that you do believe by your behavior. That's what I'm saying. Habakkuk was transformed. I close with this. He was reading, (coughs) writing, and he says, now remember, this is Habakkuk who says earlier, he says, Why do you let this wrongdoing go on? Why aren't you doing anything about it? Chapter 3, verse 16. Excuse me. Habakkuk says, I heard and I trembled within. My lips quivered at the sound. Rottenness entered my bones. I trembled where I stood. What's he talking about? When God answered him. He had an attitude. He was whining. He was complaining. It says, the burden which Habakkuk saw. Some translations, the complaint. He was just complaining. He's he's got an attitude. He's whining. And then God answers. Mid-sentence interrupts him. Cuts him off and says, now look at what I'm doing. He goes on and he says I trembled where I stood Now I know what I must do He says now I must quietly wait For the day of distress to come against the people invading us I've got to wait for God's justice I've got to trust I've got to wait on God's promise You ever had to wait For God to accomplish something in your life That he said he would do you know what's funny? And it's, it's kind of interesting to me. It just really hit me last night. The outline of the message I'm talking with you about this morning, you know, the three points I had and all that, I wrote that down over 10 years ago. I Just one day I was sitting down in my journal and I was just writing out some thoughts about God's vision for your life, for my life. I said, what is God's vision? You know, God, well, you I mean, it's, he gives it to our mind. It's something you see because I remember when God showed me what he wanted me to do with my life it was very visual in my mind, and I, I knew it was from him. So I just started writing that down. But I had never preached it anywhere. This is the first time I've ever preached this outline, this message, in this way. I remember thinking, God, you, you had that outline and you're, you wanted me to preach it like over 10 years later? That's kinda cool. It was a fresh word that God is doing in my life right now. Abraham, when God said to him, you're going to be a father of many nations as the stars of heaven will be the seed of, of your, will be your children, he had to wait 25 years before God gave them Isaac, the child of promise. That's not overnight. That's 25 years. God doesn't reckon time the same way you and I do. God will fulfill his promises to you and to his people. As a matter of fact, Scripture talks about how God will bring the people of Israel back to the promised land. And it's happening now. Jews are returning to the land of their heritage. They're awakening to who they are. And they're beginning to make a pilgrimage back to Jerusalem. Back to Israel. Israel to understand who they are as God's people. It's taken a long time for that to happen, but it's happening. God will fulfill his promises to you. And when he gives you a vision, he says, though it tarries, wait for it. Wait for it. Let the game come to you. Let God's vision for your life come to you. Don't rush it. Don't force it. Don't try to manufacture it. Live by faith. Trust the Lord. Would you close your eyes, bow your head with me just for a moment?